You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today we're in part two of a little mini teaching series here. Last week was our two-year uh, anniversary as a church. Come on, somebody. We made it two years. So after, um, and we, we talked about, yeah, come on, you can clap for that. I love it. Um, Last week, we talked about the power of abiding. We talked about the name Abide Church and how it's not just a cool name or, uh, you know, a cool brand or a logo that we came up with. Uh, Believe me, that is not it, but it's really a word from God for his people. And so last week, we talked about the power of abiding. Today, I want to take it a step further, and I want to talk about the fruit of abiding, the fruit of abiding. And basically, what I want to do is I want to break down our a vision statement as a church, which is to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. Again, that's not just some cool phrase that we came up with that we thought was catching. We'll put it on the website and maybe it'll get people here. That's not it. It is truly another word from God to break down what the importance of abiding is. And so we talked about the power of abiding. Today we're going to talk about the fruit of abiding. In fact, in, uh, in 1 John, I think I have uh, this, this slide here. Do I have the 1 John slide? Yes, here we go. It's not in my notes, but I have it on here. It says this, he says he abides in Jesus, ought himself to walk just as he walked. And so we, if we, you know, straightforward, if we say we are abide church, that we're going to be people that abide in him, then we ought to walk just as he walked. Not that we are God, please hear me, but that we walk as a proper representation of who God is and who Jesus was when he was here on this earth, a proper representation. Here's what's interesting, though, about fruit. Nearly every kind of fruit has seeds within it for a specific reason, for multiplication. That's why we say we want to help people live, love, and look like Jesus. Yes, we need to do it ourselves, but the goal is not just all about us. The goal is to reproduce and to multiply the kingdom and help other people do it as well. Just like a fruit has seeds for a reason to grow more plants and to produce more fruit, that's what we're here to do as well. We need to have fruit in our lives that produces multiplication of the kingdom. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down three, uh, three statements of our vision statement. And I believe there's a lot in here that's going to bless you. You're going to notice on your note-taking cards, if you got one when you walked in today, if not, if you need to slip out of your seat, we have some at the, the, the tables in the back. On the note-taking card, there's a lot of scripture on there. And let me remind you once again, we do that for a reason, because I want you to be equipped to go home this week and look up those verses in your Bible. I say this a lot. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Pastor Dan's word isn't going to change your life, but God's word will change your life. Pastor Dan's word isn't going to set you free, but God's word can set you free. And so take those home, look those up in your Bible in context, dive a little deeper, and uh, let's dive into God's word. Point number one is this. If we're going to say we want to live, love, and look like Jesus, to live like Jesus is to serve like Jesus. To live like Jesus is to serve. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you might say, well, that seems pretty obvious. But let me break it down a little bit further and show you what I'm talking about um, To live like Jesus is to serve like Jesus. Matthew 20, 28 says this. For even the Son of Man, which is Jesus, speaking of Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came not so that people would serve him, but so that he could serve others and what? To give his life away, basically. And so this is a pretty bold statement for us to say, if we want to live like Jesus, what does that look like? Well, it looks like a life of service to other people. 
The problem is we live in a very selfish world. We live in a very selfie world. Get on social media at all. What's it about? Who has the best? Who has the most? Who has the most perfect life ever? It's all about me. When God's word says that truly the measure of success for disciples is not in how we rule, but it's in how we serve. The measure of success for disciples is not in how we rule, but it's in how we serve. In fact, that's a great, transi- uh, a great comparison between a boss and a leader. Many, many of you might have a boss at work, or maybe you've worked for a boss, but when you've worked for a leader, you realize the difference. A boss will let you know how many people they're over, but a leader will let you know how many people they get to serve. A boss will tell you, well, I'm over this many people, and I get to boss them around, and I'm in charge, and who's it about? It's about them. But a great leader, a biblical leader will say, I get to serve this many people. I may be in charge of them. I may get to tell them what to do, sure. But my job is to serve them and help them move forward so that we all move forward together. And this is what Jesus said. He said, look, and many times over, he says, if you're going to live like me, if you're going to be my disciple, you must learn to serve. You've got to learn to serve other people. And so when I uh, abide... In Jesus, I don't have to serve other people, but I get to serve other people. Other people stop being a burden to me. That's the issue is many times we'll go and we think, well, I don't want to let that, that mom with all of her kids cut in front of me at Target to pay because she's got other things and she's got a handful. I don't want to because it, it feels like a burden. I just want to get in and get out of here. Rather than I see an issue, a simple problem that I can solve, and I get to serve someone today. I get to serve somebody else today. I don't have to do it. But one of the easiest places to do this is to serve other people is in the local church. It's so easy. In fact, let me show you from scripture. It says this in Ephesians 4.16. It says, he, being Jesus, he makes the whole body, which is, which is speaking of the local church, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is a lot in here that we could break down. Have you ever been in a church that didn't have a lot of love in it? They're Christians, but man, they're kind of nasty people, right? They're kind of bitter people. They're kind of angry people. They might be doing something wrong. How do we get the body full of love? It's whenever Jesus makes every body part, every piece fit together perfectly. This is why I say you don't find a church. God calls you to a church. We don't find a church. I hope I find a church someday. Have you prayed about where is God calling me to go? Why? Because scripturally, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Jesus knows you better than anyone else knows you. Jesus knows you better than anyone. He says, I see your gifts, your talents, what I put inside of you. And I know your gifts and talents mixed with this group of people in this local body with their gifts and talents under this leadership is going to thrive better here. So that's why there's going to be places that maybe you want to go, but you're just like, hi, we just don't fit. Well, maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I got a better place for you. We got to, be, we got to tune our ears to, it's not about where do I want to go, but Jesus says, I will fit the body together. And as we do that, guess what? Every part gets better. So look at this. Think of this in, in just our physical bodies, right? If I woke up today and one of my lungs said, ah, you know what? We've had a rough week, Okay we got our wisdom teeth pulled. I don't feel like getting up. and I don't feel like going today. I'm not going to work. Right? I would be in trouble, right? I wouldn't be here right now. I would be at the hospital because something is not right. One of the body parts not working together doesn't just hinder itself. It hinders everything around it. So this is what the scripture says. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. 
One of the common themes we're going to see when it comes to maturing in God, abiding in Christ, we're going to see this a lot today, is that the Christian life is not about me. God cares about you, but his goal is to get you to a healthy level so that you can multiply, so that you can bring health to where other people as well. He said, freely you've received, now you can freely give. So as we go, we are what? As I, I'm, I'm an active part of a body, what am I doing? I'm helping other people mature, bring, get healthy, and be full of love. Hebrews 10 says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love, there it is again, and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. As we see Christ getting closer to coming back, and he is coming back someday, we should be gathering and assembling together more, not less. But can I tell you, there's, there, um, the average church attendance in America right now is once every four to six weeks. That's not attending church, okay? That's, vis- that's still visiting church. Uh, let me, I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again. There's a difference between gathering and assembling. My son Gavin is a huge Star Wars fan, number one, and he's a huge Lego fan, number two. So I, uh, I got his permission to borrow one of his sets for this today. Uh, he has um, been very meticulous in particular about his Lego sets, which is good, right? But somehow we still will step on random pieces. We will still get injured, right? We still lose things from time to time. But here's the thing, when it comes to gathering versus assembling, I love what God's word says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. When you get a Lego set, it comes in this box. And inside this box, there are bags of Lego sets inside here. What are these Lego pieces done? They're, they're individual pieces. What are they done? They've gathered these together. That's good, right? That makes my job easy. Rather than having a sea or a room full of a million pieces that I don't know where they are, I have them gathered together but that's only step one. They've gathered them, but they have not assembled them. This is what the scripture is talking about. Not that just we gather together, but that we would be assembled together, that every piece would find its place. Because here's what happens. When I dump all these bags out, when Gavin would dump these out, and for the bigger sets, I would usually end up being his helper. Uh, When he would dump these out, it's overwhelming. And there's so many little pieces. And you think, how can this all go together? How can this all go together? But as we start putting even the smallest pieces, even the pieces that won't be seen from the outside, when we start putting them together, once they are assembled, they gain purpose. Once they're assembled, they can be pieced together, like Gavin so informed me, as this TIE fighter right here. I know my Star Wars lingo because of my son. Um, Once it's pieced together, what's what's, what's better to play with? This or a box full of pieces? What has more purpose? This or a box full of pieces. It's the same with the local church. But there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of people in their culture, they just want to gather. They've, I'll say it this way, they've settled for gathering rather than assembling. But can I tell you, biblically, the goal is to assemble. Gathering is just step one. And if that's not true in, in, in with most Americans or most of the, the, the um, comfortable church out there, and man, I've been there before, where it's just like, I'm just doing enough. I'm doing something good. I'm gathering. I'm showing up. But can I tell you, God always has more. We seem to settle for step one when God says, I got way more purpose, and I can take you way farther, and even better, it's going to be way more fun if you would trust me. And if you would assemble together. 
This is what the scripture is talking about. He's not saying, look, um, gather a group together, gather just everyone together, but to truly assemble together. There's a huge difference between the two, but here's what's great. Each part of the Lego set has individual worth. It's like a, a puzzle. You ever put a puzzle together? That's basically what a Lego set is. It's a big puzzle, right? You ever put a puzzle together and you got so far into it that you thought, I think we're missing a piece? Remember how mad you were? Or maybe you were missing a piece and you're, every piece has value, has incredible value. Even in a Lego set, the ones that are unseen probably have more value than the ones that are seen. Why? Because it brings structure and it brings foundation and it brings form behind the scenes even. But every piece has value just because, uh, and it's the same way in the church, just because someone's not preaching a message, they might be pulling trash. Does that mean that they are less valuable? No. In fact, the ones that are pulling trash, the ones that are loving on our kids right now are honestly probably more valuable than what's going on even in this room today. They're setting up the next generation for success. They're going to change our world because they're loving on kids and showing kids Jesus today, teaching them how to worship Jesus today, bringing God's uh, presence into our kids' rooms today. Come on, somebody. But what are we doing? We were making sure that every piece has individual value. Even the smallest piece is missing can hinder the whole thing. Even the smallest piece hindering, and that's what Scripture said in the last verse we looked at. Whenever the one piece isn't together, what's it do? When it is together, it helps the other ones grow. But when it's not there, it, helps, it actually hinders the other ones from, from growing as well. It hinders the other ones. So the worth, the strength, the purpose is increased when all the bricks come together. When every piece finds its place. And that's why we say to live like Jesus, it's pretty simple to serve. And that's why we try to make it super easy to serve here at Abide Church. We say, hey, get on the A-team. If you want to get to know people here at Abide Church, uh, I said this a few weeks ago, uh, community in church, especially here, is like a buffet. Right? It'd be weird for me to go to a buffet and to sit there and to complain to my waiter that they're not bringing me my food. When the waiter says, we get, it's a buffet, go get as much as you want. That's how we have it set up here to buy church. Hey, we have community as much as you want. If you want to know people, man, we got places for you to get involved. You don't have to sign a five-year contract and be locked in for the rest of your life. Just start serving if you want to serve a couple times a month, whatever it is. Hold the door open for somebody. Love on someone's kids, and I promise you, God will bless you. But here's, here's what we see. Gathering crowds is not the goal. And let me show you through this story. Matthew 9, verse 35 says this. Then Jesus, he went about all the cities in the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Look, a crowd doesn't make a church. A crowd doesn't make a church. A good sermon doesn't make a church. Uh, a nice small groups program doesn't make a church, okay? A crowd becomes a church when the people become assembled. This story shows us this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because there was a big crowd of people that were there for the reason of the kingdom, but they were still lost. They were still lost without a shepherd. And this is why the goal isn't a big crowd at church, but the goal is an assembled people. Another great story is the story of when Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus did more with an assembled 12 than with 5,000 consumers that were not assembled. He did more. The disciples were used to do the miracle when the crowd just watched the miracle take place. The assembled has much more potential 
than just a large group of people. Now, are we saying we don't want a, a large group of people here to buy church? No, that's great. A gathering is step one. Assembling together is step two, and it's where we're called to go eventually. Once you've found your place, God says, go all in. So when we abide, we live like Jesus. And when we live like Jesus, we begin to serve like Jesus. And when a group of people serve like Jesus, we assemble together and we can go farther together than we ever could on our own. Point number two is this, to love like Jesus is to give like Jesus. So we say we live like Jesus and we want to be people that are known for serving, not just in the church, but as we go throughout our life, we want to be people that are known for serving. But number two is this, to love like Jesus is to give. The most popular verse in all the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is how good our God is, that God loves so genuinely that he backed it up with action. You ever had someone that said they love you, but they never backed it with action? You know how frustrating it is, right? For the married couples in the room, can I tell you? Don't just say you love your spouse. Take the trash out. (laughs) Serve them. Buy them their favorite drink. Whatever it is, go out of your way to serve them. You'll be amazed at how God can bless your marriage whenever we choose to serve one another. But we back our love with action. This is what 1 John 3 says this. We know what real love is. I love that. There's fake love and there's real love. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and he sees a brother or sister in need but has, shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Real love backs it with action. Do I say I love someone? If so, am I doing something to show them? Am I doing something? Am I giving something and producing a fruit that says, hey, I genuinely love you? It's, it's easy to say you love someone, but your actions reveal the true nature of our heart. And right, that's why each and every week when we gather together, it may seem repetitive. You may wonder why we do this, but I like to give people a chance to produce the fruit of generosity through tithes and offerings. That's why every week I'll come up here and say, hey, if you came prepared to give, and I'm not up here trying to twist your arm or try to um, trick you into giving or anything like that. Hear me, I'm just trying to get you to have the faith to trust God at his word. Please hear my heart. Every time I come up here and I say, hey, if you want to partner with the Buy Church, I'm not up here saying, hey, Pastor Dan wants all of your money. Please hear my heart. God provides for our church. But our giving is the exact same as assembling together. It's a small part. And when we all do our part, God can take us farther than we can ever go. Whenever we give financially, when we give our tithe and we give our offering, even if you have had hangups with this in the past, please hear my heart with this as well. Don't ever do it just because I say you should. When I, if you've had a hangup with giving or being generous to even people or your tithe, whatever it is, all I would ask you to do is to genuinely go home and to pray. Ask God to show you his heart. And I promise you, he's going to speak to you way more clearly than Pastor Dan ever could. So what are our tithes? Our tithes is simply us giving God, or return, not giving, but returning to God truly, the first 10% of all of our income. So basically, the first dollar out of every $10 that I get, I give back to God through his local church. Offerings is everything above 
my first 10%. So my tithes and offerings. So this is why we, this is why we do it. It's a great way to, um, to practice and to produce the fruit of generosity. Jesus said this though. I love the words of Jesus. I mean, you could just go through the gospels and read, if you have a red letter Bible, just read the red letters. He says this, your treasure, um, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. But can I tell you, can I be real with you and pastor you today? There's a lot of people who say they have a heart for the church, but their treasure don't back it up. And I just, again, I'm, Pastor Dan is not out to get your money. That is not my heart at all. But can I tell you, God wants better and more and his favor to be on you and your finances and your relationships if you would trust him in the little things. Maybe for you, the money is the big thing. If you trust him with the big thing, just start. Do it for a month and just see what God will do and say, God, show me your will for my life. Show me your will for my life. Why do we do this though? Is it some Old Testament, old, you know, religion, what's up with the 10%, all this stuff? I could get way into that, but here's the basic example. When we say we abide in Jesus, we produce his fruit, which is the fruit of God, right? So if we say tithing is what, something we should do, we should see an example of it from God himself because it's a fruit that we should produce. Hear me, Jesus is God's tithe. Jesus is God's tithe. Let me show you. The Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. That's Romans 8. Firstborn, he's also called the first fruits. What is our tithe? It's the first 10% that we give back. It's the first and it's the best. Romans also says that God gave Jesus in hope that we would receive. In the, in the Greek, that's the same Greek root word for faith. So hear me. God gave Jesus in hope or in faith that we would believe and receive him. How do we, what do we do when we tithe? When I tithe, I don't wait to see if I have enough left over. I have to give first in faith. In faith. That's why if I could show you my bank statements, you would see every two weeks I get paid from Abide Church. So I have incoming from Abide Church. And the next thing that goes out is outgoing back to Abide Church, 10%. Every two weeks. You could, you could see it year after year. Jesus is God's tithe. It's his first, and it's his best, and it's in faith. Here's what's amazing. Think about that. God didn't wait. Hear me. God didn't wait to see if you and me would clean up our act before he gave Jesus. He didn't wait. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him, beating him, and nailing him to a cross. But he did it in faith that we would receive. This is why Romans 5, 8 says, For God showed, there it is again, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet still sinning. We were still sinners. Can I tell you this? When we abide in Christ, we, lo- we love like Jesus. And love is not fake love. The love of Jesus is real love that is backed with action. And there's simple ways that I can do it through tithes and offerings, but it's also so much more than that. It's giving my time and my energy and my service to people or uh, giving generously to people in need. And when I see it, when we love like Jesus, what do we do? We give like Jesus. And point number three is this. Let me wrap up. To look like Jesus is to walk in power and in purity. We want to live like Jesus in service. We want to love like him in, in our finances, in our generosity. But then the, the third one is just as important. We want to look like 
Jesus. In fact, I hope you know this, but that's God's desire for you, is that you would look like Jesus, that you would represent him well. That's where Christian, that name comes from. It's, it means little Christ. It means that you would be a little representation of who he is. He wants you to look like Jesus. But he wants you to do it in two ways, in power and in purity. Let me start with the first one, and in, in power. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says this, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. He's going to give you a, a fresh prayer language. They will take up serpents. That word serpents, we're not talking about taking up snakes. It's a direct uh, correlation talking about taking up um, demons and demonic, demonic power is what it's talking about. You're going to take them up or you're going to bind them. You're going to have authority over them. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Can I tell you, this shows us even just one verse. I'll show you a few more, but this just this one verse shows us that God desires you to walk in his power and he's given you authority to back it up. Otherwise, can I tell you, if we don't have Holy Spirit power in the church, we might as well go ahead and call it. The, the, the world doesn't need another good morally good club to go to. It doesn't. What it needs is a church that's on fire through the power of the Holy Spirit and that has supernatural power to back it up. Meaning they can come here. This is the only place on earth, the local church, where they can come and the presence of God dwells. No other organization can say that. They may do great things. It may be a great nonprofit, but the local church is where every week his presence is here. His presence goes with you. Yes, that inner presence, but his manifest made known presence is what that is, is here on Sundays when we gather together. If we believe that, man, it'd be tough to, to, to roll over. It'd be tough to, to snooze past the alarm. It'd be, we should be excited to get here. Why? Not only am I going to be around great people that love me and care for me and want the best for me, but I'm going to meet with my Savior in a much deeper level of his presence today. God wants us to look like Jesus through his power. Here's another, here's another one. Look at this. John 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes, here's the key again, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is what we saw last week as we talked about the power of abiding. He said, when we abide in Christ, we looked at how he said, we ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Our prayers become effective whenever we abide. Abiding is crucial. Prayer offered in the name of Jesus in alignment with God's will, just his word, has the full weight of his authority behind it. Let me say it again. Prayer offered in the name of Jesus in alignment with God's will has the full weight of his authority behind it. How do I make my prayers effective? How do I know that God's hearing me? He shows us time and again in his scripture. So if you pray in agreement with his will, which is things that please him, I pray his agenda over my life, he hears it and he wants to back it and he wants to move in it. But where does this power come from? It's not in our own. We're not powerful beings in our of ourselves. There's a key to this that we cannot overlook. And this is where it happens. Whenever Jesus is raised from the dead, he meets with his disciples. And before he says, go, he says, I'm going to send you, but wait, wait. He's almost contradicting himself. He says, go and make disciples, but, but before you go, wait for the promise that I am sending you. Wait. 
he's almost saying, do not go and make disciples. Do not go and build churches. Do not go and preach the gospel. Do not, do not, do not until you get this thing. And this is what Acts 1-8 is talking about. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Can I tell you, you cannot carry out the mission of God without the Holy Spirit power of God. We cannot make disciples. We cannot build church. We cannot see the sick healed, the addicted set free, sin turned to righteousness without the power of God. But it comes through his Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the only way we have access to it. That's why Jesus said he will be your helper. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your power and your boldness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. God has made available to each and every one of us supernatural power to overcome the world and to live a victorious and a transformed life. But it comes through the power of his Holy Spirit. Specifically, this power comes from the baptism in the Holy Spirit and a personal prayer, langu- personal prayer language, praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, if you've heard it put that way. Not in a weird sort of way, not in a look at me sort of way, but in a powerful way. The Holy Spirit might have been misrepresented to you in the past, but the Holy Spirit won't make you weird. The Holy Spirit will make you powerful. He won't make you weird. If you've had questions about this, I understand you may have been trapped in a few services where you think, I want no part of what's going on here. Hear me. I've done some very balanced teaching on the Holy Spirit in the prayer language and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the past. Go back in our podcast. I did a Holy Spirit series. I think a few times it's on there. Listen through that series. I did a series on prayer. I think it was in 2020. Listen through that series as well. I talk about this in detail. I'll show you in scripture so that you don't have to take my word for it. You can take God's word for it. And he will reveal himself to you. But can I tell you, you gotta have faith to do it. Praying in the spirit has changed my life and I can see it in scripture. Ephesians 6, 18 says this, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. It'll change your life. And it's saved my life and I know my son's life. I can tell you at least one time. The second part of this is though, many people want power without the purity. Let me finish here. I know I've said that before. Let me finish here. Many people want power without the purity. God desires you to look like Jesus in purity. Once again, why is it important that we walk in power and purity? Because the Christian life isn't about you. It's not about you. And hear my heart in that. God loves you, and he knows you, and he cares about you. But he's got stuff for you to do. He's got good things for you to do. He's got people for you to impact. You may say, Pastor Dan, I'm retired. Who can I save? Who can I help? Can I tell you? He's got people around you. He will send people. I'm just in high school. Who, 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 who can I help? God has people for you to impact. And how you live your life is the greatest message you will ever preach. I got good news for you. If you don't like public speaking, you don't have to come up here and preach. But every day, the way you live your life, what you post on social media, the way you interact with people at work, you are preaching a message to the world. Either you're representing him well or you're grieving the spirit in what you're doing. Hear me. 1 John 2 says this. He who abides, or he who loves his brother, abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. Or it means it does not cause others to stumble. Again, if I say that I abide, if I say that I'm close, abiding means to remain as one. If I say that I'm close with Jesus, I'm abiding in his light, but my actions cause other people to fall into sin, First John will mess you up. What does he say? You don't have love in you. 
It's not genuine. How I live my life is important. I may think no one's watching. I may think no one knows. But can I promise you, someone's watching. Somebody knows. Someone's taking note. And you never know who's looking to you to see, is this Jesus guy even real? Here's another one, Matthew 18, 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones or spiritually immature people, spiritually immature believers, anyone who causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Right? You don't have that posted over your dining room table, but I tell you, that's a good one to know. <laughs> that's a good one to know. Why? Because my actions are important. And when God says, hey, I'm going to give you some influence with people, I'm going to open a door for you at work so you can minister to people, I'm going to give you a chance to pray for that coworker that maybe you don't really care for at work, but I'm going to open a door for you to do it. Guess what? My actions and how I live speaks the loudest, and it gives me a platform to speak into someone's life. But if my actions, my words, my attitude, if it's causing other people to fall into sin, Jesus says, I got some news for you. That's a big deal. Let me, hear me again, the church doesn't need, or the world doesn't need a church that looks like them. The world needs a church that walks in power and walks in purity. Why? Because that's light. And our world is dark. Everywhere you look, it's dark. The world is looking for light. That's why I said last week, a lot of times I get questions about things, if I think it's okay or not. The most one that comes up is alcohol, right? If you have a drink of beer, you're not going to hell. That's not what I'm saying. But can I tell you, God dealt with me a long time ago. And he told me, I need to have no part of that. You won't find alcohol in our, in our house. Not because if you have a drink, you're going to hell. Hear me. Drunkenness is a sin, yes. But as I said last, last week, what leaders do in moderation, followers do in excess. Based on this verse, if my casual beer leads my son into drunkenness, or alcoholism, or someone else that looks up to me into that mess. I want no part of the consequences of that. So I'll be willing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus, even if I wanted to, and say, Lord, I'm giving that up for you so that you can use me better. But that's what maturing in the Lord looks like. Sacrifice. I'm willing to lay it down. God, if you can use me even more if you can use me even more. There's too much at stake for us to continue to allow sin to run our lives. The impact is too significant. The consequences are too substantial. The calling is too great to play with even a little bit of sin. That's why Romans 6 says this. Don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Whatever you choose to obey. You don't get to choose what you're tempted with. But you do get to choose your response. You don't get to choose that you've been tempted with or are tempted with homosexual, homosexual thoughts or, or tendencies. You don't get to choose that. But you do get to choose how you respond. You don't get to choose that you're tempted with gossip. But you get to choose your response. You don't get to choose that you're tempted with lust, addiction, gluttony, lying. But you get to choose your response. How will you respond to what the word of God says about you? I feel tempted by this. Good, good thing. I got news for you. Temptation is not your identity. It's not your identity. This is respond well. 
Respond in agreement with his word and watch God move in your life. There's people counting on you. There's people counting on you to choose to respond the right way. When we abide in Jesus, we produce fruit. The fruit is Christ-likeness. We begin to truly live, love, and look like Jesus. How? In service, in generosity, in power, and in purity. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. I'll take, I'll take all four of those. If God wants to use me that way, Lord, I'm available. I pray in God's heart for our church as a by church is that we would people who would live that out, not just say a cool phrase, but that we would produce fruit of abiding in Christ. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are true and your word is true. Lord, I thank you that your word, your word does ask things of us. Your word does ask us to lay things at your feet. But Heavenly Father, I just pray that today, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give us the boldness to lay it down, whatever it is. If there's something that's been a distraction, Lord, if we've been wasting our time somewhere else, would you, would you show us what we need to do to abide better in you? Whether it's to take a step of service or, or of giving, Maybe we need to deal with a, a sin that we've been hiding or, or stashing away or sweeping under the rug. Lord, maybe we're just hungry to be used by you and your power. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you truly give us a fresh fire to be used by you? In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.